The Church Media Podcast, episode 191, Finding Balance as a Worship Leader with Rebecca St. James and Nicole C. Mullen. Let's do it. This is the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. Exclusive interviews and church media training from the best minds in ministry and Christian entertainment. Useful, practical content in the areas of audio, lighting, video, stage design, volunteer culture, and more. Broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl. Thanks so much for hanging out. I hope you made it safely through Easter this year. This episode is airing the day after Easter, if you're listening on the day that we've dropped it. So your brain may be fried. You might be off today, catching up on some much-needed rest or family time, whatever it may be. I want you to know that the work you've put in over the last few weeks to prepare and execute Easter at your church matters. Thank you so much for the long hours that you've put in for little or no overtime pay. We know that. And thank you to your families who have sacrificed time away from you. As you take a breath from Easter, you know that this Sunday is coming like a freight train headed your way. So if you're behind the eight ball and need a quick pre-made series to do for a couple of weeks at your church to catch your breath, be sure to check out our Series in a Box at 1230.media, or you can go to seriesinabox.com. That's seriesinabox.com. There you'll find almost 50 complete pre-made series ready to go. This is the Cadillac of content for you Also, massive collections of pre-made graphic design and video files, editable source files, pre-made video trailers and bumpers, countdowns, motion background stills, and more. Even a ready-made series outline for you. So if you are needing a a breather, be sure to check that out and maybe it can can help you get by the next few weeks while you uh, start your next series. So check that out at seriesinabox.com. That's seriesinabox.com. You can use the code LOCALCHURCH. That's all one word, LOCALCHURCH at checkout for five bucks off any worship media product in the store. Take five bucks off any box, pack, mini movie, or song video in our library. Also, as a reminder to you, for only $49 a month, you can have unlimited access to our library. So be sure to check that out. All right, this week and next week, you're in for a treat as I welcome four of your favorite classic Christian music artists to the podcast. All four of these folks are worship leaders in their own right. They have led thousands of people in worship for decades. Here's the lineup. This week, I'm talking with Rebecca St. James and Nicole C. Mullen about worship leading, their incredible careers in music, their songwriting process, and more. All four of these artists, uh, Rebecca, Nicole, and also next week I'm talking with Greg Long from Avalon and Billy Goodwin from New Song. All four of these artists are now on the Greatest Hits live tour, so be sure to catch them in a city near you. Here's a little bit more about that tour, and then we'll jump right into my interview with Rebecca St. James. Here we go. 
Greatest Hits Live 2019, a night filled with music from the artists you grew up with, featuring Avalon, plus Point of Grace, and Nicole C. Mullen, Bob Carlisle, and your host, New Song. Coming Sunday, May 5th, your favorite Christian artists and their classic songs of inspiration. Greatest Hits Live. Tickets available now at newsongonline.com. This is an exclusive interview from the Ministry of 1230 Media. Here is church media coach Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, I welcome by phone Christian music recording artist Rebecca St. James, who is one of the artists in the Greatest Hits live tour. This tour features some of Christian music's most beloved artists of all time. I'm talking Avalon, Point of Grace, Nicole C. Mullen, New Song, Rebecca, and others. Rebecca, welcome to the 1230 Media community. So great to chat with you today. Thanks so much, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Or should I say good day? <laughs> yes, you should say good day. That's perfect. <laughs> Although my accent's pretty faded. I've been here a long time. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit of a mix. Yeah, you are. Uh, okay, so a lot of us in, in church world kind of grew up uh, with you and your music. And in recent years, you've kind of stepped away from the music scene a little bit to, to start a family and write yep. some books, act some. That's right. Um, so catch us up. I haven't chatted with you in probably since my days in radio, probably 10 years ago. So catch us up. I'm behind on the life of Rebecca St. James. Why don't you catch us up a little bit? Well, that's completely okay. I, yes, I, I stepped back off the road. Um, uh, oh, man, eight, probably eight or nine years ago, actually. Uh, uh, well, maybe not quite that that much, maybe seven. And, um, I, yeah, we've just gotten married, my husband and I, and we've been married now eight years, and we now have two little girls, a five-month-old uh, and a five-year-old. Wow. And um, so, yeah, busy, busy. And I, I was so blessed by the fact that my mom, um, and I'm the oldest of seven kids, uh, was a full-time mom and just devoted, you know, her life to to giving to us um, at home and, and homeschooled and the whole thing, you know. And so I just really wanted to dedicate, you know, these early years especially um, to that. And um, so doing a little bit of a little bit of music now, but family first, and, and we'll we'll. Uh, We'll see how we can juggle that adventure. Yeah, and for those of you who may not know, Rebecca is the older, wiser uh, sister of <laughs> uh, the Small Bone Brothers from For King and Country. And uh, Rebecca, you went on tour with them and Casting Crowns a couple of years ago, right? That's right. Yeah, a little over a year and a half ago, I did a Christmas tour with them, and it was so sweet. We just, uh, I, I just came up for a couple songs in their set, and did some three-part harmonies that we used to do in the car driving yeah. along, you know, back yeah. in the day. And, like, you know, just uh, it was a very, very sweet time with my so, family and with Casting Crowns, too. Yeah, so uh, Thanksgiving dinner, I'm sure you're giving them pointers of, uh, oh, don't make these mistakes that I did and whatnot. Uh, well, you know, the funny thing is they they toured with me, you know, for forever. I mean, we do yeah. it as a family, which is really the model actually that I'm doing now with my little family. You know, we we travel out on the road together as a family too and yeah. are committed to that. So, yeah, so they actually saw everything firsthand and I think that they did learn some stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah I'll do <laughs> that part a little bit differently or I won't push it quite that hard. You know, I'll, I'll try to rest a little bit in the process too. So, yeah, yeah they learned some things. Yeah. 
Um, okay, let's talk about the the greatest hits live tour. Now, uh, again, some of uh, the the greats are in this tour. Point of Grace, uh, the ladies from from that team, uh, Avalon, the group from Avalon, uh, Nicole C. Mullen, new song, uh, Eddie Carswell, Billy Goodwin. Uh, so, how did how did you get involved in this tour? Well, I've known Eddie for a long time. We did one of the early winter jams actually, yeah. uh, long time ago, and then I've done just various events with new song and um, with the winter jam team. Uh, and so known them a long time, love them. And so when they were putting together a tour like this, you know, that has people that have been doing music for a long time. And, you know, I grew up on Christian music. I, I went to shows as a kid and I remember being very, very impacted by that. And so when you, those songs kind of, take a place in your heart that's really special. Yeah. And so they just had this idea to, to head back out on the road and bring those kind of songs that were, you know, big on radio, that people knew, um, that probably still have some kind of place deep down in people's hearts. Um, they wanted to bring it back. And so they approached me, and we, um, we loved the idea. It's kind of cool because a lot of people may not know this, but they, uh, they're they really instrumental or have been over the years, Eddie especially, at kind of helping groom up-and-coming artists through Winter Jam. Um, and then so it's really interesting here that uh, is kind of bringing some veterans in on this tour. So I think it's kind of a great combination of, of what he's doing. Yeah, they're, they're kind of bringing the new talent in and then also encouraging people, um, you know, that have been doing music a long time um, to continue on that, that legacy as well. Yeah, it's really cool. So what can we expect to see? Is it many concerts from each artist? Or are you guys singing together? Kind of give us a taste of the concert. Um, yeah, we do kind of like mini sets, really. It's a little bit like a festival, but like all in one night and, you know, and, and short sets. And then, but we make it punchy. I mean, it seems to really, like there's just a lot of, I don't know, a lot of a lot of value to the night because of all the different artists and, again, that kind of mini-festival feel. And then we do a song together all at the end as well. Yeah. And I think it's very sweet, like, the connectivity between the artists because all of us have either toured together or, you know, played events together. Yeah, like you know Bob Carlisle, yeah, I toured with him when I was, I think, 16 or 17. So, like, my first tour was with he and Brian Duncan. And so it's like... Mm. Yeah, you just got all this history and cool stories together, and um, it's been very sweet. Yeah, butterfly kisses from the way back. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I cried. I mean, I, I watched my daughter doing soundcheck dancing to that song, and I'm like, I'm a mess, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, it's a really, really special night. Yeah. Um, okay, so through our blog and podcast, you're talking to those who make Sunday happen. So that's worship leaders, tech leaders, pastors. Uh, now, okay, so from one who's grown up in the arena of worship experiences, which concerts totally are, um, g- give us some advice here. So what are some things that you might have learned from being on stage or involved in creating experiences and performing that we should always remember or that you might pass on to other worship leaders? Well, you know, probably the first thing that comes to mind, and man, I'm I'm no expert. You're, you're kind to even ask me that, but, um, but it's just, in any any kind of Christian leadership, I think it, it's very important to be authentic and just to um, come with your your authentic heart, you know, and and when you speak, to speak from that place because people, I mean, people are looking for that. They want that kind of human resonance within their own lives. 
Um, but I just think, especially within Christian community, we've got to be able to be real with each other. So I think, you know, without obviously downloading <laughs> and kind of making it a little bit excessive, like no TMI, I'm, um, I'm not meaning that, but just, but just sharing about the highs and the lows of, of life and being, being real about how God is with us in, uh, on the mountaintops and he's with us in the struggles too. And I, I think that that is important authenticity. Um, you know, I think also being a lead worshiper, that was probably the other thing that came to mind is that I invite people to worship by worshiping God myself. Um, if I'm going there, other people are probably going to go there too. And mm-hmm. I think that that's always something that I, I try to keep in mind. So what are some of the things that you might have done in your personal walk with Jesus uh, that would that have maybe made you a better worship leader or that you would pass that on to, to others to say, I, I did this and I, I kind of focused on this in my personal walk and this might help you? Um, prayer, I mean, probably is the main thing that just comes to mind. I think prayer for me has just been an absolute must. Like I, I literally don't feel that I would have been able to do any of what I did and am doing without prayer. You know, I, I started out full-time when I was 16 and went on my first tour at 13. And so I think there was just definitely a feeling for me of inadequacy. <clears throat> and the point is we all are inadequate, really, to represent the God of the universe, the creator of it all. Um, all of us are inadequate. And so we talk, sometimes fool ourselves to think, oh, yeah, I could do this, you know, and I'm I'm this or that. And we're fooling ourselves because we really, when it, when it comes to actual kingdom impact, we have to have the power of God. We have to have the spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. And so I think just every single time before, before you know, going on stage or doing anything that has this ministry value, and obviously we should be doing this in our lives behind the scenes too, right. um, but that was always a, a must for me, just that we're prayed up and we've got the focus on Jesus and we're, we're speaking it too. Lord, this is all about you and it's not about us. And thank the Lord for that because it's such a relief that it's about him and not about us. Yeah. What about the reverse of that? What are some landmines that you have maybe stepped in uh, or what are some maybe spiritual attacks or struggles that you faced and, and how have you dealt with them? I think the biggest thing that I um, have struggled with in the past is just balance and mm. uh, protecting from burnout. I think I was so young that I didn't know what good boundaries look like and you know, I kind of knew that I was burning out probably at a certain point, but it was just like things were so rolling at that point and it was such a machine. It was just hard to like put on the brakes. Um, and so, you know, and I didn't like hit the wall, hit the wall or anything, but just internally, I think I felt a bit like a spiritual, emotional anorexic for a while. Just mm-hmm. like, just like I'm still giving out and I'm still functioning, but I really have nothing left and it's kind of eating into me. And so I would just encourage people to definitely protect from that. Just build in sabbatical time, build in, um, you know, a day off each week where it's it's family time, it's God time, it's rest time. Um, just build in vacations, build in, you know, time that you need to let your soul breathe and where there's no expectations. I think that's what starts getting so heavy is when you just feel expectations from everywhere and it kind of snuggles in on you. And so um, protecting from that is really important. Yeah. Okay, one more topic, and uh, and I'll let you go today. So let's talk about songwriting. Um, you've been involved in, 
kind of writing some songs and and kind of put your own voice and, and pen to, to paper over the years. Tell us about your, your songwriting process, and for those worship leaders who might be experimenting with that or wanting to get into writing their own songs for their congregation, uh, do you have any advice there of uh, maybe your, your songwriting process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely prayer, I mean, would be would yeah. be the first thing. And then... Um, I, for me, my process is, is different probably each time. Um, you know, sometimes I will come into a songwriting session. I generally write with other people. There's only a couple of songs probably that I've ever written entirely by myself. Um, but, um, you know, I sometimes come into a session with like a hook or a melodic idea or a lyric concept or a lyric line that I feel like would be a good hook. And then sometimes I just come into a session just wanting to just kind of share my story or where I'm at or what season of life I'm in and see if that sparks something in the other person. And then we kind of go from there. But I also really like taking it um, straight from the music end sometimes too, just uh, starting with a beat, starting with a, a pad, a vibe, and um, seeing what, what uh, melodies I might hear. And I think in my writing, and I am writing recent, recently too, because I'm writing for a new album that, Lord willing, is going to come out early next year. I'm um, fine with Bethel Music, actually. So um, so I'm doing a lot of writing that, right now. And I think something that's been coming into my mind as I'm writing is that I'm to be a reporter. I'm to be a reporter of what I mm. hear. And so you just kind of show up with what what God might be bringing to mind, whether it's lyrics or melody, and you show up courageously with that because songwriting is vulnerable. It is like you're putting yourself and your soul and your heart out there. Um, and so you just got to report as to what is, is coming to mind and see what happens. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Last question for you. Do you have a cringe worthy song that you wish that we would never hear again or that we would burn all the copies? Gosh. Of? <laughs> you know what? I feel like I've been asked every question under the sun, but I don't know that I've ever, in 20-some years of doing music, been asked that one. Oh, you are welcome. There's <laughs> always something new around the corner. I hit you with the surprise. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's probably more performances, actually, than the um, actual songs, because yeah. they have to pass through a pretty pretty strong filter for me. I'm, right. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I wouldn't have been able to really stand by anything getting out there if I didn't believe in right. the lyric or, you know, yeah. like something about the song. But performances, I listened back to some of my songs on my God album, so it's my second yeah. album, and it's so raw. And, I mean, there's something to that, too. There's something very authentic about that. But I listen back, and I'm like, ooh, that note, please, yeah. <laughs> that. Or, you know, like it was a little, uh, I don't know, like a little too raw, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that if people listen back to that, they might go, okay, yeah, Rebecca, you should cringe with that, that note. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad I got to stump you today. Yeah, yeah. All right. The Greatest Hits Live Tour is coming to a city near you. There are only a few dates left, uh, end of April into May. Uh, so be sure to grab your tickets. You can go to greatesthitslivetour.com. Uh, That's greatesthitslivetour.com for tour dates and tickets. Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Carl. Hey, guys, remember you can continue the conversation on our Making Sunday Happen Facebook page. 
It's a community for church leaders, staff, and volunteers who execute the weekend experience. My buddy Steve Dirks runs that charge over on Facebook. Just search Making Sunday Happen today to find and join the group. All right, now moving quickly over to my interview with recording artist Nicole C. Mullen. Fire it. Hey guys, joining me by phone today is Grammy-nominated Dove Award-winning Christian music artist Nicole C. Mullen. She is currently on the Greatest Hits live tour with Rebecca St. James, New Song, The Ladies of Point of Grace, and some of your other favorites in Christian music. Nicole, thanks so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, let's jump right into talking about this Greatest Hits tour. You guys are kind of getting the band back together a little bit with this one. Uh, Lots of great Christian music uh, artists on this tour. How did you get connected with it? Well, a new song called me up and said, hey, you want to go on tour again, showcasing songs that people kind of grew up with and have a history with. Um, I was like, absolutely. I love those guys, and I love the other artists that are on the tour as well. Um, so yeah, so uh, it was a great invite, and we did a run uh, back in November, and it was very successful. We had a great time, and so it was easy to say yes to do it again. Yeah, I was talking with Rebecca St. James uh, earlier today, and one thing that we were really chatting about is Eddie Carswell of New Song has been uh, at this for a long time, and it's interesting that he uh, has been instrumental in helping a lot of up-and-coming artists through Winter Jam, uh, and then so to to kind of uh, do a reversal of sorts and call some kind of veteran Christian music artists uh, I thought was a, a great thing as well. Uh, what's your been kind of your relationship with Eddie, and, and how have you seen that kind of uh, take shape? Well, yeah, I love Eddie and all the guys. Um, back in the day, I did a tour with them, a Christmas tour with them, with my dad, and um, we had a wonderful time. We're speaking of maybe doing another one and possibly me doing Winter Jam as well, so that's in the works. But I've loved and respected those guys throughout the years for their consistency, their heart, the way they stay on top of their talent, their songwriting ability, and their communication of the gospel. So. Um, I have the highest respect for them. And when people come out to see them, even on the Greatest Hits live tour, you will see that they have not diminished, not one iota. Mm-hmm. And and the, the good thing is that most of us that are on that stage have not stopped. We've been going, you know. Yeah. The, the music ministry that the Lord has allowed me to do has been here in the States, but also abroad. You know, we've been in Africa. We've been in France. We've been in England. We've been in the islands. We've been all over still singing and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And so I'm very thrilled like them to be able to say that God has given us longevity um, in songwriting and in singing for his His glory. What do you think is the—I know this may be a cliche question, but what do you think is the key to that longevity? What do you think uh, God has uh, blessed you with that? Well, I think ultimately it's staying connected to Christ, because when you stay connected to Him, then you're infused with His life, His strength, His power, and His creativity. Ironically speaking, I just had a new single that just released that I wrote with Kathy Lee Gifford, and because of that longevity, we were able to write something, and it it might be, honestly, one of my finest pieces I've ever written Mm. and sang on. Honestly, it's called The God Who Sees, and so, again, I believe that longevity stays with us staying connected with Christ and being real vulnerable and honest in our walk with Him. You actually have a date coming up with Kathy Lee, don't you? I do. We have several dates. matter of fact, we have interview dates that we're doing. We're doing um, TVN together. Um, we're doing um, Daystar together. We're doing all kinds of TV programs and radio podcasts and broadcasts. And so 
Yes, and I have a, a surprise that's about to happen, but I can't speak about it yet because it's going to happen tomorrow. But after tomorrow, I can tell you. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we went to Israel and we recorded a film for the song that we wrote for the 11-minute piece. And she spent a fortune on it, and it is beautiful. And I will say, honestly, it is a masterpiece for Christ. And so I'm very proud of it. And, um, again, it stems from the longevity that the Lord has allowed both of us and all of us to have. Awesome. Well, we'll have to have you back and Kathleen back to, to chat about that. That would be great. All right, let's get back uh, to the concert a little bit. Tell, tell us, uh, with so many artists, can you kind of give us a taste of what the show is like? Is it kind of uh, many performances, or do you guys sing together? Give me a taste of what we'll see. Well, you're going to see different sets. You'll hear, you know, Avalon and those things. They'll testify to love some of their greatest hits. You'll see a set with Point of Grace. They'll do their greatest hits. You'll see Bob Carlisle. He'll do, you know, Butterfly Kisses is some of his, some of his Rebecca will do hers. Um, you'll have new songs, of course, they'll sing um, Arise My Love and some of the favorites. And most of us will sing together with them um, on that particular one. So you'll see us all joined together in a finale. And, um, and then, of course, you'll see me do what God has given me. I'll sing, you know, Call on Jesus and On My Knees and My Redeemer Lives and talk about it. And some of the favorites that people have grown up with. And so um, it's a wonderful night. I mean, you'll see some video footage, you'll see pictures, of course, um, and all that stuff. But I think ultimately you'll feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, mm. so not just us uh, reminding you of good songs, but really reminding you of who the song giver is. And uh, mm. at the end of the night, I believe you will have had an experience with Christ and not just a concert. And so for that, we're really excited and we're really proud to be able to bring it to places that are close to other people. Awesome. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because in in your concerts, they've really been worship experiences over the years. And uh, on this blog and podcast, you're talking to worship leaders and those who make Sunday happen every week. So tech leaders, worship leaders, pastors. Um, and even though you're a, a, a Christian music recording artist and you're on tour and, and that, your shows for lack of a better word, are worship experiences. So you kind of deal with some of the same things um, that a worship leader would deal with uh, every week. So I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. You have a very distinguished career. You you started singing back up with Smitty, uh, which I love, and uh, and Newsboys, and uh, co-writing songs like On My Knees, you mentioned, uh, with Jackie uh, Velasquez and working with Amy Grant and others. Uh, now, again, you're talking to worship leaders. I want to talk to you about your songwriting process a little bit for those worship leaders who are getting into writing their own music. We've been talking to a lot of uh, worship leaders who were just now starting to write their own music, write their own lyrics for their congregation, and uh, some kind of as kind of a side hustle that they want to, uh, you know, do some some songwriting and singing on the side. Uh, so speak to your process of songwriting. How do you start? What are you praying about? That sort of thing. Well, it's different. Um, it comes at different times, honestly. Sometimes a song, even a song idea, may come from a conversation that I had or it may come from a passage of scripture that I've read, or just something that God has been putting on my heart and I've been chewing on. And um, for me, it starts with an idea. And then from there, um, it seems as if the melody for the core seems to come from me first. But I think, honestly, when it comes to songwriting, it has to come from the heart. It, it can't be contrived to where, you know, I think if we're trying to make people respond to certain things by certain buzzwords, then mm. kind of spiritual manipulation. 
But I think if we if we're singing songs that are rooted in the gospel, things that have really ministered to us, if it's coming from an honest and an authentic place, then I think people will feel that they'll hear that, and I think they'll respond to it because I believe that the music we sing is not worship in itself. It's only used as a conduit to lead other people into worship. Mm-hmm. And when we lead them into worship, that's a, that really means a life that is prostrate before God. It's a life that's surrendered to Him. So if we can write songs that will allow people to open up their hearts to Christ, that their lives as living sacrifices, then we've written music that is worship, or that music that lends itself to worship. And so uh, for me, it's it, it, the process may change. Sometimes I'm writing in my car. Sometimes I'm writing in the bathroom. Sometimes I'm writing in the kitchen. It's in different places. But oftentimes it's, it's sparked from something that the Holy Spirit has really laid on my heart, something I've been showing, whether it's a passage of Scripture, but ultimately something that is ministered to me. So do you usually write alone? Do you collaborate? And maybe give us some tips on the best way to, to collaborate in songwriting. Well, probably 90% of my writing has been by myself, honestly. Okay. Or, or songs that people have heard, I'll say. Um, in the past, I used to co-write a whole lot more. But Call on Jesus, I wrote by myself. My Redeemer, I wrote by myself. One Touch, I wrote by myself. Um, when I, On my knees, I co-wrote. Right. Um, the song I wrote with Kathy Lee, of course, the guy who sees that is a co-write. But, um, and that's been recent for me. Um, and and I, I'm starting to enjoy it again. Um, for me, co-writing, it is. Um, it, you have to not be, um, how do I say it, um, so married to your own ideas when you co-write. Right. And you have to have that give and take, and you have to be willing to bend. You have to be willing to be challenged. You have to be willing to scratch out any race and start again. Um, and that's good, because that's a life lesson in itself. And you have to be able to work together without being offended or you know, feeling as if your songs are you. If somebody doesn't like your idea, you feel like they don't like you. That's not that's not true. So um, I think songwriting, collaborating, uh, is more than just getting a good song. It really deals with character and things that we're going through. So it is good for the soul. It's a good exercise. So you can see that's probably why I avoided it for so long. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, t- tell me about your, your prayer life. So what are you praying during the seasons where you're writing? If, if people don't know, sometimes with artists, you know, there are seasons of a tour and there are seasons of writing and then promoting and, and you kind of go through different seasons a little bit. So, uh, and sometimes, you know, there's writing sprinkled in while you're on tour and things like that. But uh, if you go through a, a season where you're writing songs Tell me about your prayer life. What are you asking God to do through your music and your pen? Well, honestly, I pray probably more for my as a whole, and songwriting is part of it, mm. than me just saying, God bless just my songwriting. Right. My prayer life is, I mean, honestly, almost every morning, um, my sisters and I, we I get up at around 545 if I'm not up before, and we have a 6 a.m. call. And we pray, and we pray for all the different endeavors that God has allowed us to be involved in. And songwriting is a part of it. But I believe, like I said earlier, it just springs from a life that's yielded to Christ. And so it's not me just sitting there, you know, wringing my hands saying, God, i got to have a great song. No. It's like, Lord, I want to live a life that's yielded to you. And when I do, it's like abiding in the, the vine. It's like being a part of the branch of a great, you know, root system on the tree. The fruit naturally comes because of that. 
So when I say plug into Christ, then fruit of singing, the fruit of songs, the fruit of writing books, all of that springs from that. And I'm not having to make it happen, but he allows it to come through me. And he's the one who actually makes it happen. Right. Awesome. Okay, uh, kind of last question for you. How would you encourage worship leaders, uh, just directly, how would you encourage a, a worship leader who's uh, just starting to write their own songs and music? What would you tell them? Um, I'd say stick with the Word, definitely. Go to the Scriptures. David has great lyrics there. The Word of God is the only thing that's not going to return void. It's never going to be out of date. It's not going to be—it's always going to be relevant to society. It's going to be up to date every single time. So really— if you stick with the word and the things that are there, your job is really to put a melody and to put it in such a way that be for people to sing. Um, and then again, to be honest, make sure that you're living a life that is yielded to Christ, and that is, um, and when it is yielded to Christ, I think people will see that in your music. They'll hear that in your music. And um, it's not about the charts. It's not about do I have a number one. It's not about how much am I getting paid from it. But really. It, it, are people's lives being changed? Are they being yielded? Are they surrendered to the Lord? And if so, then for us, mission has been accomplished. Mm, great. Good stuff. All right, the Greatest Hits Live Tour is coming to a city near you. There are only a few dates left. They're coming fast, so be sure to get your tickets. You can go to greatesthitslivetour.com. That's greatesthitslivetour.com for all the information that you need to get tickets and show dates and everything uh, is there for you. Nicole, thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us today. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for having me. Blessings to you. The catastrophe of manhood has reached every segment of our society. If you're not serving in the kingdom, then you're really not a servant of Christ. We're going to either build the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of this earth. We have to choose which one we're going to fit in and which one we're going to do. I think the biggest challenge we have is being a man of God today is so far off society's norm. We as men have got to understand, while we're waiting on God, God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to step up. We own this. We own the responsibility of calling a culture in decline back, calling men back. Did you hear what the man said? Hey guys, that was a clip of the new documentary film Kingdom Men Rising from Tony Evans Films. If you are a man in the church, you need to see this movie. It hits theaters for two nights only, April 29th and 30th. So be sure to check your local listings or visit KingdomMenRisingMovie.com for more info. KingdomMenRisingMovie.com One of the stories in the film follows the executive pastor of Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee, his name is Jonathan Pitts. I caught up with Jonathan last week to talk about the film and his story. Here's what that sounded like. Hey guys, today I welcome by video the executive pastor of Church of the City, Jonathan Pitts. He's a contributor to the new documentary film, Kingdom Men Rising, which is a Fathom event taking place only in theaters on April 29th and 30th. Jonathan, welcome in. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, good to be with you. I was uh, telling you before we started recording, recording, you're a pastor, and I got you on Easter week. So crazy, man. Yeah, well, God's good. We have a great team. So I'm kind of, I'm not chilling. I'm working hard, but 
could take the time. So glad to be with you today. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. Well, uh, give us a, a taste. This film comes out April 29th and 30th. Give us a taste of what the film is about and how you got involved with it. Yeah, well, Kingdom Men Rising is all about what does it look like to be a kingdom man? What does it look like to be a man that lives under the rule of God? And uh, how I got involved in it is I worked for Tony Evans, who's kind of leading the film, and I guess he's probably executive producer of the film, but I worked for Dr. Evans for 14 years in different capacities, and my last seven years was running his national ministry. And uh, leading up to my last week before I came to pastor here, I was leading his national ministry, and uh, tragically, my wife uh, actually passed away that last week. Ministry and um, Man, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, thank you. I've talked about it a bunch. Just uh, my wife and I actually had a book that we released together, and I've been talking about it a ton. But ultimately, uh, my team, Dr. Evans, and the rest of my team saw me lead as a man and as a leader in that organization. And then when they saw me lead through the tragedy, uh, they just asked me if I would consider joining them to share our story. So it was pretty quick, just a few months after our tragedy. But God's been really faithful, and um, I don't know why God chose me to to lead in this way, but. I'm kind of sharing what leadership looks like from that perspective. So, yeah, like just like my girls, I have four girls. Um, Man, wow! What are their ages? I've got a fourteen, a fifteen-year-old, a twelve-year-old, and twin nine-year-olds. Awesome, man! Wow. Man, um, so we work with a lot of pastors and church leaders through our ministry, mostly men. Um, so, why do men, especially, really need to see this film? What What's the message of it? Yeah, I think it's a beautiful way to understand, like. Um, what does it look like to be a kingdom man without just it being about Bible? I mean, Bible is laced throughout this whole film, but really it's sharing stories yeah. about what does it look like to lead as a man, um, and it's really relatable. So Dr. Evans is sharing about his dad, and then his sons are sharing about him, and I'm sharing about leading my girls, and you've yeah. got all these football players and other people involved that are kind of sharing from their perspective. So it's it's story-driven, which I think men connect with these days, and as pastors, we need to figure out how do we connect with people in story, and obviously the Bible is a part of that, but how do we connect in a way where it's not just us giving knowledge, but us transfer- transferring story? I think it's a beautiful thing, and it's a beautiful story. So you mentioned Dr. Evans, um, and both of his children are involved in this, Anthony and uh, Priscilla. Um, but d- tell us who else is involved. you got Kirk Franklin in there. Who, who, who else is in the movie? Yeah, so he has actually four kiddos. So Anthony, Priscilla, then you have Crystal and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. He's got four kids. They're all involved. Yep. Kirk yep. Franklin, who's a world-renowned gospel singer. You've got Tim Brown, a former NFL player and a Hall of Famer. You've got John Kitna, former longtime NFL player. You've got Tony Dungy, longtime yep. NFL coach, Super Bowl winner. Um, you've got myself. Uh, my story and John Kitna's story are two of the main stories that are shared. Uh, and it's a really neat concept because Dr. Evans is in the barbershop in his barber chair telling stories about his life and his kids. So it's 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 really neat kind of how the story rolls out. Uh, but Dr. Evans is kind of laced throughout it, just sharing philosophy, yeah. um, biblical manhood. He's sharing all that as these stories are unfolding. So, All right, so let's go a little bit deep. So uh, how do you think that our culture has kind of distorted or poorly defined masculinity? Yeah, well, it's made it weak, and it's made it about— um, the culture has made it uh, almost unforgivable to be a man. Like what God's created the man to be, the culture is actually flying in the face of that. And— what I love about this documentary is it shares what a true biblical masculinity is, which isn't just macho and strong. It is protective. It is securing. It is all those things, but it's also soft and it's generous. And it, it, it expands the definition. So the, the culture has tried to make masculinity about the things that are just cultural things. When God's basically masculinity covers a whole myriad of things. And it really covers, yeah. the uh, you know, you think about um, the fruit of the spirit. Like to be a real man, 
like you look like the fruit of the spirit. You look like the spirit. You look like Jesus himself. And yeah. so it's it's trying to narrow what masculinity <laughs> is and make it look bad when it's really a much a, a, much, a much broader thing um, from a biblical perspective. So, yeah. Um, what do you want men to to see uh, and, and do after this film? What what are some of our action steps? Yeah, I think one is to see in themselves what God has already created that is masculine and to value it because the world tries to undervalue it. So to see the things that they actually carry that are that are uh, are godly manhood, and then to to figure out the things where God might be challenging them to grow. So what are those areas in your life that God's challenging you to grow as a man? For pastors, what is God challenging you to to grow in your men that are around you? And where are those things lining up? Um, uh, okay, so you, you your story is kind of one of the main stories in this. Without giving too much away, give us uh, and you you told us a little bit with your with your wife and your family, but give us a taste of your story and what the film shares about it. Yeah, so uh, my story is one of kind of rising in, in ministry, so to say, alongside of my wife and us growing a family together, and God just blessing what we're doing in ministry together, and suddenly our 15 year, uh, 27 days after our 15 year anniversary, 15 days and 27, 15 years and 27 days in, my wife suddenly passes away from uh, a heart condition, and I'm left to lead my four girls. And so the story is one of um, what does it look like for me to lead through that, but also what does it look like um, just to follow Jesus through all that? Because uh, it's honestly the hardest thing I've ever been through in life, and I'm sure yeah. a lot of them are watching this. They're probably thinking to themselves, I have no idea how I would make it through if I lost my wife at that stage, especially with four young girls. And my story is one of, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Like that verse is no longer like a coffee cup verse for me. It's literally day by day, step by step, walking with a really faithful God um, who's just stepped into my story and been all that I need. People say, how are you doing this? And I'm saying, I'll say, it's not me, it's God. And I think that's what biblical manhood at its core is. It's a reliance on God and a surrender to God and his plans for our lives even the things that we never thought imaginable happening to us. And I'm, I'm not doing it perfectly, but I'm doing it, uh, trusting God each day and trying to surrender yeah. each day. And so it shares a bit of that story. Yeah. yeah. So my whole family's in it. My girls are in it. Yeah. So our, our ministry is all about resourcing those who make Sunday happen. So pastors and media people and anybody involved in making Sunday happen. So you're a pastor, uh, executive pastor of, uh, at Church of the City. So one one reason why we want to, I guess, promote films like this is because the people that, that run Sunday, pastors, leaders, you know, it's not just about the task on Sunday. It's about how we live it out in the week, and, and that affects our ministry on Sunday. So maybe talk talk at that for a minute and, and talk at how, uh, obviously, your Christian walk during the week affects your ministry on the weekend. Yeah, it's really kind of, it should be the same ministry. And I think what we've done as a church is made our Sunday ministry, we've made our ministry our Sunday ministry, which is obviously highly geared towards events. But the core of discipleship, the core of discipleship within our families, the core of discipleship within our churches is all about relationships. So right now at Church of the City, we're trying to figure out how do we go deeper in relationship? How do we go deeper as shepherds and shepherding our people? You know, First Peter 5 says, shepherd the people in your flock, not because you have to, but because you are willing. So what does it look like to do that? And that looks like relationship. And it's the same thing with our kids and our um, our families. It's it's being willing to put in the work to build deep relationships that we can disciple in because events are not enough. Like me showing up at my dinner table just once a day and just checking in is not enough for me to disciple my family. And that's not enough for us on for, enough for us on Sundays at church either. So what does it yeah. look like to go deep in a relationship? Cause that's where discipleship yeah. begins. So. Yeah. 
Awesome, man. Well, Kingdom in Rising is a Fathom event only in theaters April 29th and 30th. So how this works is it's a one-time thing, and sometimes uh, if it does really well, there's additional dates that are added. Um, so be sure to check it out. April 29th and 30th, you can find out more at KingdomMenRisingMovie.com. That's KingdomMenRisingMovie.com. Jonathan, man, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, good being with you. God bless you. If you'd like more information about this episode of our podcast, as well as helpful links, videos, PDFs, and more, plus access to our entire podcast archive absolutely free, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com. You can also watch my full interviews with Rebecca, Nicole, and Jonathan on that page as well, and share those with your friends if you would. Next week, I'll welcome two more powerhouse worship leaders to the show, Greg Long from Avalon, who are back with a new album later this year, and Billy Goodwin of the group New Song. Billy's been at it for nearly 40 years and knows a thing or two about creating worship experiences for thousands of people. That's next week on the show. Follow 1230 Media on social media, if you would. We would love to chat with you there. And thank you guys for listening. Go out there and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. The Church Media Podcast is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media and produced by David Michael Hyde. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com.